Hello, Latinos in Clinical Research. Welcome back. This has been a fun series, career pathway series, career trajectory. Uh, and today we're doing a group interview with Christine Naro and Cassandra Andrade, our two Latinos in Clinical Research ambassadors, actually our first two. Uh, and so it made sense to do a group interview. I think I see what Ashley did here and she's not here today, but I think I got you, Ashley. Good job. So we got both of them here. Christine took a more of a traditional route to becoming a CRA. You're a CRA now, right? That's right. Unbelievable. And then Cassandra took a more of an unconventional route, uh, but uh, they're both excellent stories and there's a lot to share with the community and there's a lot of relatability from both of them. Uh, so welcome both of you guys, as well as Monica and Chris, the co-hosts uh, today. Hello. Hi. Thanks so, for having us. I feel like we're back at home. Yeah, I feel like we're in Clubhouse, except Chris is on. Um, so <laughs> No pressure, Chris. No pressure. Although Chris was on his first Clubhouse yesterday, and it was a very good room. Uh, oh wow i didn't know that that's right you guys missed out so uh let's start with christine first christine just give us like a two-minute background you took a more conventional route what did that look like sure so i'm christine and i got into the medical field in optometry and then i moved into ophthalmology and in ophthalmology is where i got into clinical research it was 2017 I was a CRC for about two years, and then I went to work with the military for a little bit at the chief scientist office, and I supported um, expeditionary medicine projects, and then I went back to work in ophthalmology as a CRC until I became a CRA, and now I'm a CRA for a medical device company, and I support their vision care team, so I'm really excited about that. Amazing, and directly for sponsor, which is fantastic the way to go christine and then uh if you're gonna be a cra it's the way to go uh in my opinion cassandra how about yourself two minute three minute four minute brief background yeah um definitely untraditional and i think i still question like am i even in the industry or not but i think you guys have a, a stamp of approval to say you're okay Cass. you're one of us <laughs> you're but, okay Cass. you're one um, of us yeah. Yeah. thanks dan i'm gonna put that on my uh, linkedin profile dan safara says that's right <laughs> um but yeah so my career i got started in public affairs um worked for a latino hispanic um, public affairs firm supporting national and international initiatives. Um, and the reason I mentioned this, it kind of ties into like diversity in clinical trials. And I think why I find passion for it and I get worked up maybe a little too much. Um, but yeah, so worked at a public affairs firm on national initiatives and federal initiatives for uh, not just political campaigns, but also the federal government. And then uh, lived in Latin America for a little bit, wanted to see what that was like. I was, grew up kind of on the, on the gringa side in the United States speaking Spanish, didn't really know what it was like, went to Latin America, came back to the States and worked for a global language service and technology provider and um, focused doing translations for clinical trials. And about two years ago, I moved to the technology side of the house where I support um, sponsors, CROs and sites 
with their technology for clinical trials, um, as well as translations and language services and all of that, but mostly now um, that archive to author to archive approach for ETMS, BTMS and all that stuff. So um, now I'm on more the service level side and uh, have had the opportunity to meet with all of you and kind of learn from you guys. So that's my background, public affairs to technology and language services for the industry. Yeah, two very different backgrounds, but same level of passion. I mean, you guys, uh, look, it takes a certain kind of person to volunteer their time when they're already busy for something like Latinos in clinical research. So that shows there's genuine passion there. And I hear you guys on Clubhouse, by the way, you guys both kill it on Clubhouse um, every, I don't know how many days a week you're on, but uh, enough to like really make an impact there. People, people love you guys on there as well. So just talk about why, I guess let's go to uh, Christine. What, what, and why are you passionate about clinical research? So why as a whole, and then what specifically are you passionate about within the industry? So um, I think that it all falls back to getting these medications and devices approved as fast as we can, right? We noticed that with COVID that there was kind of a fast track. And in reality, the only way to do that is to increase participation. But not what we're doing right now, because it's not really working. We need to increase participation in all races and all ethnicities so that we can provide meaningful data um, for everybody. And I just think that's really important, especially for the Latino community, because a lot of times in our community, we have people that cannot necessarily afford their medications um, or don't have the resources to get to the doctor's office. And that's another reason that I also support decentralized trials, because I think that um, we can definitely help more people in the industry if we accept that the decentralized trials are coming soon, hopefully. And um, also, I think it's important to connect with people in other countries, right? Because we know that we do clinical research in the United States and that we've been able to get a lot of medications and devices approved. But then when we try to communicate with people in Latin America, they might come back and say, well, your data was collected in America, but we live, you know, in X, Y, and Z communities where we don't have, uh, you know, running water or the ability to go to doctor's offices and stuff like that. And so we have to be able to communicate with other people in other countries, medicine where they are as well. And so that's what Latinos in clinical research is about. And I think that we are doing a great job at connecting with all people in the industry in the United States, but also in other countries as well. Wow. Okay. Good answer. Great answer, actually. And then Cassandra, same thing. What? Uh, why are you passionate about clinical research? And then what specifically about it, like really gets you going? Yeah, I think if you were to ask me growing up, like, hey, are you going to be related to the clinical research field and related to pharma? Are you going to be in that world? I would have told you no, not at all. Um, even a couple of years ago, if you would ask me, hey, Cassie, you're going to be talking to Monica, Chris and Dan and Ashley and Judy and all of them about um, clinical trials and its impact in, in not just the Latino community or, or the, the, not, like, the world. I had no idea that this world kind of existed. And I think that that is what fuels me to want to participate is 
had I known that there were opportunities here, I may have started my career earlier in this field. Um, so I think it's, it's empowering our, our community with access to information so we can make educated decisions, not just in participating in clinical trials, but also the job opportunities that exist in this industry that I never even thought of before. Um, so I think for me, it's, it's opened up a brand new world that I never considered as an option for my personal track. And knowing that it has enhanced um, kind of how I see the industry and the opportunities within it and be able to share that with other people that may have never experienced this or probably don't even consider it, I think for me is really cool. So it's not just preaching to people that are already thinking about it, it's how do we bring it to people that are not even thinking about it, to high school and colleges and saying, hey, have you ever thought about this career track? No, you don't have to be a nurse. You don't have to be a doctor. doctor. But really, here's another opportunity that you may, you may, you know, it, it may advance your career and your thought process. And, and then particularly as it relates specifically to COVID, I think we've all seen COVID and, and the impact that it's had on the global scale of how important clinical research is to our daily lives. Without vaccines, I don't think we would be having the conversations today that we are about being able to get back to work and people going back into the office and being able to engage with people. So I think it's made maybe maybe a more niche topic, a global topic that everyone's talking about today. And that fires me up because I think it allows us the opportunity to have a megaphone now to say, hey, this is how it impacts you and really how you can participate. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be a nurse. Get involved. There's an opportunity and there's a space for you. So that's my soapbox. But I think it's, <laughs> it's fascinating. Um, I'm just curious. And then Chris and Monica, feel free to ask questions. Uh, were you guys pre-med by any chance? Pre-med students? <laughs> What's that? Pre-med, pre-medical, like pre No, I'm just, I'm, I'm joking. No, oh, I'm joking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I no, you were no, no, not at all. <laughs> it would have been never, it was never in my mind. I honestly, I mean, I say it because I think it could help someone. Like, I was like, medical? No, that's not really me. Um, you know, uh, like my kids, some of my, my friends were going to med school. And I was like, I just don't see that as a path for me. Even in public affairs, you say, how the hell does your background relate to this industry? Well, it's all about connections, networking, learning, um, being yeah. a sponge, like you say, Dan, being a generalist. Anyways, I can go on and on because I get passionate about it. And I think it's a time today where I think the industry is more receptive in having people like us be part of the workforce to be able to advocate for certain opportunities and niches. But anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Just I have to ask everybody that because it seems like from most, like half of the people were pre-med and then dropped out. And when you were talking about the schools and being proactive, I think that is a good idea. I think LICR is trying to do that with your guys' help. High schools, colleges, we're trying to be proactive and say, hey, we don't want you to stumble into clinical research on accident like almost everybody did. We want you to purposefully consider before you have to make that choice hey, you have an option, this is clinical research. So just always curious about that. Never lose your passion, you guys. That's what you have going for you guys. <laughs> Both of you guys are like two of the most passionate people I know uh, in this industry. That's going to be a huge strength. How difficult was it for you, Christine, to break into the industry and then break into being a CRA? Like, can you talk a little bit about the struggle, the struggle real? 
Yes, the struggle was very real. I cannot tell you how hard it was to get into research where I was working. Um, so when I finally got into our, the department, I was so excited and I had a great mentor that really shaped me and was able to show me the ropes. And I actually started as an unmasked coordinator. Um, and then I got to learn a little bit of the math side for other people that are not in ophthalmology, it's blinded and unblinded, but in ophthalmology, we call it uh, mass and unmasked, right? Why, and then, why is the terminology different? Uh, I think that it's because of the pun. Okay, that's what I figured too, but wasn't sure. I've never read any literature about it, but I can imagine that's probably why. And if anybody can answer that, I'd be happy if you would send me a message. Like, Yeah, I'd free book, free book from Chris. He'll send you one. Um, and also I guess getting into the CRA world was really difficult I that's when I actually met Dan I really went out there I you know got on LinkedIn I got 500 plus connections Um, I updated my profile you know I used a meta tag on my photo and my banner so that the algorithm would pick me up and it worked you know recruiters sent me messages and then I happily accepted the invitations to interview but even after that it's it's not easy because once you get there you got to know your elevator pitch you got to know you know what they want to know from you without being hesitant you're going to have some people that are going to do a textbook interview with you and they're going to be writing down your answers there's going to be a lot of silence and then you're going to have the people that are down to earth they really want to know who you are and if you're going to be a good fit for their company mm-hmm. and one piece of advice that I got was you also have to interview them because you have to make sure that it's a good fit for you as well. And so don't be scared. I know that you want to break in, but also break in to the right spot, right? Something that's going to make you happy so that you can push yourself forward and you won't give up in that position. And so that would be my advice. Cass, what about you? Was the struggle real getting into the industry? I think I still feel kind of the struggle, honestly. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But it never I feel goes like, away. Yeah, I feel like I'm still learning. I'm still meeting people. I'm still kind of understanding, you know, why things are done the way they are, how they're done. Um, so I, I feel like every day I'm still learning and, and absorbing the knowledge and using, you know, you guys as resources to kind of help me spearhead and navigate through this this world. I think I think you're going about it the right way because like you guys share the same passion, but the difference is Christine took a more traditional route at the site now with CRA. So she's closer to where the action is, like where the rubber meets the road. Um, That's like where she was, especially as a coordinator. Monica talks about this for the CRC Academy all the time. If you're a coordinator, you are where the rubber meets the road, like on a car, like so. And then if you're with a vendor, you are either like in charge of, of designing the road, building the road, painting it, or designing the car. You're not like really where the action is. The action is like where the finished car meets the finished road or like the rubber meets the road. So you guys are at different, uh, you took different pathways, but I think especially you, Cassandra, the fact that you are on Clubhouse, that's going to benefit you tremendously because you're going to be able to experience from others who are closer to the action, right? You're a little bit more removed from the action. Not that it's not important, but it's more removed from like the direct patient 
and sight experience. So you have to learn through others experiences. But I think, I, I think clubhouse is like made for, for that purpose. Uh, and so I think you do, how has that helped you so far? Like all in all honesty, how has clubhouse helped you learn more about the industry? Yeah, I think, I think it's helped tremendously. Um, I think for me, I, I have had to take a hiatus this past couple of weeks, but in general, I think just being open to ask people questions, like I don't have the answers to everything and I feel comfortable being like, Hey, Dan, can I pick your name? Monica? Hey, let's, you know, connect. And, um, just hearing where the industry's headed. So like last week, um, thanks to you guys, we're looking at host like a diversity panel and things and just reaching out to people on LinkedIn saying, Hey, I saw that you're very passionate about diversity in clinical trials. We're looking to do this. Um, you know, what do you think about this? Or, you know, jumping into different rooms and just hearing different, different perspectives and here's everybody, right? There's a site perspective. There's a CRO perspective. There's a vendor perspective. One guy was uh, from like the regulatory angle and saying, Hey, you know, caution with this. So yeah, I think it's, it's been great because it's a platform where you can hear people's perspectives and everyone kind of, is opening up and sharing their, their thoughts. And it's been good to, to um, hear, hear the information from the source, right? There I'm not go. getting it watered down. It's, it's, you know, the person with the site, you know, they're struggling with not getting their ICFs translated. Well, why? Well, you know, we're ba being told X, Y, Z. Well, you know, you're kind of having brainstorming sessions too. But yeah, definitely information from the source. Mm -hmm. What What is your guys' goal in research? And I know for me, it's always changing. But like right now at this moment in time, what is your goal for the near future and maybe for the long future for your careers? I guess let's go uh, Christine first. Thank you, Dan. Um, so I think right now my goal is to continue to learn as a CRA because, you know, I'm very green. <laughs> But it's been fun and just make connections with people that can uh, lead me in the right direction and show me how to become a project manager. I think that's the next step for me. Wow, Pia. Uh, I think you will be great, Christine. <laughs> Especially, I mean, obviously all your experience, but then I, 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 I think I told you this before because of your military uh, training. I mean, you're going to kill it as a project manager. Thank you so much. Yes. And what about you, Cassandra? No, I think that's a great question. I don't know why, but I think my calling is, is kind of pursuing the whole diversity and clinical trials angle. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of one of those things where I think there's a huge opportunity, similar to maybe what other groups are doing in terms of being able to see how the knowledge and the information can really help impact the industry. I'm not 100% sure yet though. I think for right now, my immediate goals are to learn more about the industry and learn how I can be more of an impact and, and a value player. At the end of my journey, the biggest thing for me is being able to give back and do something beyond myself. So in anything I do, I don't want it to just be about me. I really wanna be able to live, leave the world in a better place. And I don't say that lightly. I know that's cliche, but honestly, that's who I am. So I'm trying to find um, how to make that a space at where I'm at today and really thanks to you guys, you know, start with the diversity and clinical trials discussions and, and um, you know, those types of things, but I'm still not a hundred percent sure, but I just know it's, it's something to give back um, yep. to the future generations. That's really yeah, where I want that's, to be. That's a good answer. I'm not a hundred percent sure either, 
and neither is anyone, I don't think, because everything's changing. Monica, Chris, yeah. we got two very passionate I... ambassadors <laughs> on here. I know you, you guys are dying to say something. I, I am. <laughs> I have two questions for them. First of all, how they hear about Latinos in clinical research or when was the, the first time? And the second question is, why did you say yes to be uh, the, the Latinos in clinical research ambassador? Ah, very good questions. So for me, um, I was heavily following Dan at the time. So he happened to make the announcement that he was starting this club. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I want to be a part of this. I went to the website. I signed up. I went to the webinars. I tell everybody like, hey, don't uh, please join our our organization, we want to support diversity and, and everybody's included because sometimes I would get messages from people that were a little hesitant to join because they were not Latinos. And I, I was like, no, dance and everybody can join. Just come and we want to hear your voice and please join. And so when he asked me if I would be an ambassador, I said, uh, yeah, <laughs> I would love to. I want our to get first, more our first to. ambassador. <laughs> Thank you. And Cassandra, I guess same question for you. Yeah, so I, um, as I mentioned, I, I felt like I was newer to the industry. So um, started in like February of 2019, kind of came coming on board to be specific, like clinical research, not just the language side, but more the technology side. And uh, over during COVID, I was supposed to be able to travel more. So I thought I was going to be able to meet more clients and be able to pick their brain a little bit more because I still felt like I didn't know a lot. That didn't happen. Um, so I was really looking for a group that I can kind of just join and learn and share and like this, like Latinos in clinical research is really what I was looking for. I didn't find it until December, November kept going on LinkedIn. There has to be, I literally would put Latinos in clinical research <laughs> and, uh, wow. and then it popped up and I saw wow. Ashley and I said, Hey, Ashley, I don't know you. You don't know me. I don't know if I'm part of the industry or not. Cause I'm on the vendor side, but would love to, to pick your brain and, and see what you guys are doing. And that's how it started. Uh, just looking to connect and, and found Ashley. And then Ashley, we had a one-on-one -on -one and then had the opportunity to meet you guys. And then here we are today. So uh, wow. why did I have to say yes? because you guys have been great like I feel a sense of empowerment to be able to do things right like I may feel like I don't have the answers to everything but when I go into meetings I'm like I got Monica Dan Judy Ashley Christine with me so we got this um so that's kind of how I'm like why not right um but yeah so that's my story that's awesome that's awesome Chris what what do you got to say about all this, Chris? I told you Latinos in clinical research would be a good idea. Sure. It's uh, been a great idea thus far. Um, <laughs> I don't really have any questions for the two ambassadors, but certainly glad that they're on board. Both are very, um, I don't, I can't think of a, an appropriate word, so useful, um, but that's not what I mean. You, you both put a lot of energy and effort into, into expanding Latinos in clinical research. And that's great. Yeah. And number we, one and we number two. Totally I appreciate you. We absolutely appreciate it. I can't remember who was the first ambassador. I think it happened like so fast. Uh, it could have been Cassandra or Christy. I don't know. Uh, I think it was the same day, but uh, they've been around the longest from, and now we're starting to add carefully. We're carefully and slowly adding more ambassadors, but it's really now 
more of a matter of um, their backgrounds and, and what they can do. But these two, these two ladies, their passion is like bleeds through the webinars. Like you can see, you, you can feel their passion. So it was a no brainer for them to be involved. And yeah, I mean, we're already having someone work on the website based on your recommendations and all those things. So we, we take all your feedback into consideration and we, we look forward to growing this into a bigger thing, into a bigger movement uh, with you guys. Yeah, I mean, you guys have made so much, so much, so much efforts and the dedication. I mean, don't think that we don't appreciate that. We actually appreciate it more, much more than you ever think that you even think. <laughs> um, and and the hard work that every single thing that you guys have done for for Latinos in clinical research is just amazing. I got a question as we wrap up. From you guys is, I mean. You guys network like crazy, you, you two ambassadors. Uh, from all the conversations you have, social media, LinkedIn, Clubhouse, all that stuff, what is your, uh, I guess, what is your thoughts when it comes to interacting with other people in research? Are they open to the changes that we're trying to push for? Or are they not as receptive as you anticipated they would be just overall? So overall, I think that a lot of people are really open to it, but it's like half and half at this time, because you have also some people that say, you know, I don't know why, you know, why Latinos in clinical research exist or Black women in clinical research exist. And what I think it really is, is that maybe some people have not uh, been exposed to some of the struggles that some people have had. And because when you look at the data, it's kind of like clinical research itself, right? Let's look at the data. How many Latinos do you have leading your organization? How many Black men or women do you have leading your organization? And it's not necessarily to say that you know, we want to be the, in the top numbers, but we would like to be recognized and given the same opportunities as everybody else. And I think a lot of times, especially Latinos come from Mexico or they might have um, foreign uh, medical degrees, right? Foreign MDs. And um, they feel like they can't break in because they maybe feel like they're not competent enough. But at the end of the day, you know, do they have the drive? Are they willing to learn? Yes, the answer is yes. And so I think that, you know, we just need to raise the awareness and then um, get the people that support us on our team, make connections with them, and then the rest will fall into place. You know, once we raise the awareness and we bring the data to support our claims to the front, kind of like clinical research does, then I think that we'll be in a good place. And Cassandra, same question for you. Uh, what what was your expectations of people's response to uh, the changes that we're trying to implement versus like the reality of it? Yeah, I think you don't know what you don't know, right? So I think, and what I mean by that is, I think there are different conversations happening um, across the industry, right? Some people don't even know where it's where to start when it comes to um, having more diverse trials. They're like searching for that information. This is my humble opinion, right? But I think they're searching for that information on, you know, I have a site 
and I have a Latino population right in my immediate back door, but I don't even know how to engage with them. And, you know, maybe this child that I'm working on could really impact their, their community and help bringing life-saving drugs to them or medical device, you know, products and things like that. So I think there is this one thing where a lot of people don't even know where to start, maybe a little afraid to engage in this because, you know, they don't know. Um, I think that's the first thing. And I think the second thing is, a lot of people are receptive to the information, but like Christine said, like, uh, why do you have to have a Latino group versus a black woman in clinical research? And it's because we know what's best because we live it every day. And we are basically the storytellers bringing you the information in real time, right? Versus hearing it from someone else and data points and things like that, like hear it from the sites from Judy's and Monica's and things. So I think it's, a lack of information, I think it's a lack, maybe a fear of not really not knowing how to deal with this population or how to even run a trial and get more, um, you know, people participating in it. And I think from a whole different angle, it's what is the, the, the regulatory industry standard that's really making this a topic of discussion? Right? Is it just a nice to have, or is it really going to be a requirement that trials are more diverse and that you know Latinos are part of the workforce and things like that? So that's why I say you don't know what you don't know, and I think that that's why Latinos in clinical research is so important to educate people about the community and educate why it's important, how to go about it, and what's really going to bring them the best results faster, uh, and not trying it out alone. So that's Requir my perspective. requirement requirement is the answer because Chris and I are dealing with these sponsors a lot now. It's FDA mandates that more, more minorities in the studies. Uh, last thing, okay, you guys both employees, but you both hustle like entrepreneur. You both have DNA of entrepreneur. You can't fool, you can't fool someone else, but you can't fool me because I know you guys live, you, you guys are about this life. So let me ask you guys any I hosted a panel yesterday with the Canadian Association for CRAs, and there was a panel that I was on called Becoming a Researchpreneur. So transitioning from employee to entrepreneur. I know, I know you guys are thinking about it. I don't know if you're comfortable on camera, but uh, we don't have that many people watching yet anyways. <laughs> any plans, any plans for this researchpreneur? I know, I know the answer, but I want to hear from you. Well, the first thing I'm going to say, Dan, is that I think you need to put that on a hat and put it on your website <laughs> because I would wear it. A researchpreneur or what? Yes. Okay. Not in a t-shirt, please. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask the Canadian uh, CRAs if that's okay. <laughs> and realistically, um, you know that I'm a, a really big fan of Ed Milet and he talks about having goals in life. And yeah, you love, you love that guy, Ed Milet. Shout out to Ed Milet. <laughs> and really like he says to chase your dreams and 10 years ago you know I had just signed to join the military literally yesterday was my 10-year anniversary wow, wow. I didn't know that I was going to go into ophthalmology or get into research in 10 huh. years so what does the future have in store um that's a good question uh I think that you're right I think that um, we need to listen to the people that see what's within us, even though sometimes we don't know what we want to do ourselves and just chase it, you know? And so if you're leading me to become a researchpreneur, 
I'm going to follow. <laughs> yes. Uh, whoever Christine's employer is, because I don't know. She told me once, I apologize. Uh, we, I am not saying she's going to be a researchpreneur right now. She's going to put in her time with you and be a diligent CRA. Okay, so let's let's give Christine some breathing room. But, yeah, it's in there. And you know what, Christine? You, you know what's really cool about you? Like you connect people so easily. I remember when we were first starting this clubhouse thing, I was like, all right, everybody, I don't know how to send invites because I'm kind of a Luddite. So Christine's going to send you an invite. And then Christine's connected so many people. Like, I bet they're emailing you every day about something else now. So you got to be seeing different opportunities. Oh, yeah. And, you know, one thing I'm going to say um, is I'm not really good at basketball because I didn't play sports when I was a kid. But if you give me the ball, I will run with it. So wow. you give me the ball and I ran with it. But that'll be a travel. <laughs> that'll be a travel. You got to dribble it. You got to dribble it. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Christine. That's awesome. You slam dunk it in people's face. Uh, and then Cassandra, uh, also for you, like research, I already know. First call I had with you, the you had a sign that said every day I'm hustling on the back. So I already knew before you even said anything. Where is it? See, I'm not making it up. Where is it? There it is. What do you think? I know research you loved Twitter? it. There you yeah, go. Yeah. There you go. See, I'm telling you. Little clues. It's little clues like this. So researchpreneur, would you buy the hat, number one? And number two, uh, are you <laughs> are you feeling that? I, I would buy the hat, and I'm open to explore options. And <laughs> uh, the sky's the limit. And, I mean, why not, right? Like, we only have one life. We only have one life to live. And uh, we got to do what we were put on this earth to do, which is our, our God-given purpose. Is that what you believe or, or what? So um, where is it? Like I said, I don't see it right now. Maybe I kind of do, really not really. But um, if you know something, Dan, let me know. Christine and I, <laughs> we've been teaming up on things left and right. And I it's know. Been so awesome to just have a partner there to be like, Hey, what do you think about this? Okay, let's go for it. So, and Christine, Christine, um, are you ready to talk about it? You have knows. a podcast, right? If you're not, I can edit this out, but you have a podcast. Yes. Um, do it. And uh, it's, it's on the back burner because I honestly have so much going on right now, but it's okay. a vision I have and it's going to happen. We're going to make it happen soon. Yeah. You guys team up. I mean, this is awesome. Like clubhouse is just like a little foreshadowing, even if clubhouse disappears tomorrow. You guys, you know, you have a bond now and you guys have the passion and the energy and the ambition to go forward. And Latino and Clinical Research is not going anywhere. Clubhouse is going to be gone before LICR is gone. Let me tell you that. Uh, so, Monica, Chris, anything else? Closing thoughts? I have a question for Chris. <laughs> for Chris? Wow. Yes. <laughs> this, I forgot to ask him this yesterday, so... Now you're gonna, you're gonna confuse video. the people. You have. Uh, oh, I know. All right, all right. Oh, but but we have to ask this question: Did you ever, in your craziest dreams, a vision that you were going to be the co-founder of a Latino organization? Uh, hardly. Um. <laughs> <laughs> See? See, Chris. Research. Yeah, you have no idea what the future is bringing. Researchpreneur, <laughs> exactly right. But um, you know what? All jokes aside, Christine, Cassandra, we're very lucky to have you guys help. Uh, you guys literally been with us since day one, and you're going to help us go places we never dreamed 
I, I know of that for a fact, and we're going to make, hopefully, lasting change in the industry, uh, and we'll just keep growing, and hopefully your opportunities grow along with ours as well. And, um, yeah, just very grateful to have you guys both involved with us. Thank you thank so you, much. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you for the opportunity. Honestly, it's been amazing. And I will say, if I may, um, if anybody watching this is kind of on the fence about reaching out because they're not so sure, just do it. Yeah. I did it and I don't regret it at all. And I wasn't sure if I was in clinical research, but it was the best decision ever. And so thank you guys. Honestly, you, Christine, as well, everyone, thank you for the opportunity because for me, it's changed my experience in the industry and, uh, and, and my job too. So mm -hmm. I will say that I can put that down, but honestly, I've, it's changed the whole opportunity that I've had at where I'm at now. And it's thanks to you guys. Thank you guys. See the variables, always the individual, right? Always the individual. So just do it, reach out. There's like 20 of us now. Uh, if one of us is busy, the other one's going to be, there's no way 20 out of 20 are busy at the same time. So reach out, be persistent, have energy, have ambition. Look at Christine and Cassandra. Okay. Just follow that, follow that blueprint. Uh, so thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. Thank you everybody for watching and listening. I will catch you all later. Bye-bye.